Hey folks, welcome back to the DC3 cast. I am Brian and with me as always are Vince and Zach and we are here to talk about the first half of Countdown, sometimes called Countdown to Final Crisis, sometimes just Countdown. This was a uh, a weekly series and it uh it was <laughs> uh phrased by I, I believe Dan DiDio as um 52 done right <laughs> which is that, that that quote is going to the grave with yes it. yeah that would be like into dio's obituary <laughs> somebody will will mention <laughs> that I, quote y- y- you know what though i've oh. never I've, I've never read this before uh-huh i've only read half of it now but i and i don't agree with the quote but i think i finally understand what mr didio meant I think I think I know what he was saying. Okay, let's unpack this, okay? What do you think Danny D meant by this? Well, I mean, do you want me to get into it now? Yeah, go for it. Yeah. Well, because I, I have so a theory I, too. So I don't. Th- Countdown is not good. I will go ahead and say I said this before we recorded. So far, it's not even the worst weekly DC series I've ever read. Um, so there's that. Um, what is the, the worst? Uh, Earth 2 World's End. Um, the thing about Countdown that really differentiates it from 52, besides the extreme lack of quality, um, <laughs> is how much it ties on into like the goings on, going ons of the DCU, and really is kind of like the backbone book. Um, sometimes to its detriment, but... 100% to its detriment. <laughs> well, no, I don't know if it is 100% to its detriment, because there there are some times where I think it's kind of cool, and, like, 52 could not have done this structurally because it was taking place in a point where no comics were being published, you know? Like, there, there were comics that were being published, but it was set in a time frame that it couldn't tie into anything, whereas this ties into almost everything like every big thing that was going on at dc at that time this book is kind of making references to and in that way it kind of (laughs) it's kind of like bad don of x basically (laughs) all right well here's my counter to that okay is that unless you're reading this in sequence with other books it reads it it, you know uh, to quote beetlejuice it reads like stereo instructions there are parts of this that are just like that are just designed to catch you up on things happening elsewhere at the to the detriment of the story in this book but it's also not tied in enough to really make it necessary for those other books so it just reads like this very like 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 mechanical comic sometimes so yeah, but like, I, I think it's pretty cool. Like, I can imagine, I can imagine being a person. Like, if I had been reading all of these comics at this time, and I, I would have been loving the Lightning Saga because I still like that book to this day, even though I understand. Um, you know, I intellectually i can understand it's not the best but i still really like it if i was reading the lightning saga and then in countdown they're dealing with the stuff with karate kid and kind of the fallout of uh lightning saga and like wally coming back i i would have dug that 
even if like because like i was reading the thing and even now like reading this having read the thing a decade ago i'm like oh yeah that's that's still pretty cool so there's something about the structure of countdown even though it's bad that i kind of find appealing vince you have a retort for that or what um, I see. I see what he's saying. I don't. I don't know if I 100% feel that way because I, I. I don't know. I just like 52 so much more that 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 trade-off almost isn't worth it. But oh, my, I'm, my... I, well, I'm not saying that this is anywhere close to 52, though. No, I know. I just have. I have trouble seeing the, even seeing the positive aspect that you're talking about. You know. Um. But I think that what you say makes sense. My my only retort was going to be that I what I think Dan DiDio meant by fifty two done right was that, um, you know, unless I'm misremembering or I'm reading too much into things, I, I think fifty two kind of got away from editorial a little bit, or or at least, or maybe not editorial, but like DC, um, you know, the, the like at the Dan DiDio level you know, at the publisher level. Um, I feel like that was the case of these four very, like, very strong writers with with unique voices all doing their own thing. And, like, I, I think Dan DiDio, especially knowing, like, knowing how he tended to mess with, like, what Morrison and, and, and Wade were doing, a little bit from time to time. Um, I feel like he looks at countdown and thinks like, okay, this is 52 done right because this is the editor's vision more faithfully executed. This has no voice to it. Not at all. No, not even, not even Paul Dini who Mm. is like the backbone of this thing. Yeah. It's not recognizably Dini. Yeah, it, this yeah, this is the most homogenous thing. One of the most homogenous things I've ever read. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that's what I was going to say. Is to me that quote is all about the process, not the product. Yes, right. Like it's it's about finally these writers were not off doing their own thing and and making trouble for for the poor story editors or whatever. You know, I know that there were a lot of fights on 52 about things because, you know, various people had different strong opinions about what should be happening. And I can't imagine anybody having a fight about Countdown because I feel like it was just probably so laid out for them. You know, I I wouldn't be surprised. And, And there is a great oral history of Countdown, which I'll try to remember to put in the show notes, which is fantastic. Which, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if all the writers were given a notebook that basically said, in issue one, this happens. In issue two, this happens. And it, before it even starts, if they didn't have all the, ish, all the you know, beats laid out there, and it was just the, the, the writer's job to essentially script those scenes that were predetermined for them. That wouldn't shock me at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. And I think like that this that's the thing that I've always heard about this book in relation to that quote. But I still think that there is something to be said about this being like 
a weekly series that also advertises for everything else that's going on at DC at the time. I think that's a very cool concept. I just think it's not executed at all. Well, I'm not saying I'm not saying it's a good thing, but I'm saying like as an editor, why that would be a very like valuable thing and why he would think that it was a more a, a as a product better than 52. You know what I mean? Like 52 sure. really only sells itself, whereas Countdown sells the line. And I could see like why he I I could see that playing into why Dio might like it better. Well, I, along along with the other thing. I also don't know if he actually likes it better or if that was something he said when the series was being made cuz I to I sell I, it. Yeah, I can't imagine now him looking back on Countdown as a great hey, success. So so here's here's a uh an excerpt from a Newsarama article where they actually ask him uh, because apparently Mark Wade is the one who alleged that Didio said that 52 was uh, that countdown was 52 done right. Um, Didio says the concept that I'm not proud of 52 is ridiculous. Anybody who knows me knows that the minute issue 52 of 52 hit my hands uh, was one of the proudest moments at DC. Um, let's see. He says any statement made about me not being proud of 52 is erroneous. So he basically didn't deny saying it. <laughs> um, he just doubled down on how much he loves 52. So I don't know. Sure. Yeah. I, I think that this is such a fascinating sort of microcosm of comics and how comics are made. Walt and I, our friend Walter Richardson and I have talked a lot about how when both of us were at a certain age of comic reading, all we cared about was the writing and the plot and and not at all the art or the storytelling, but just like we wanted to see what happens next. And I think that for for that type of a comic fan, this may not even be that bad of a series. Because, uh... I mean, I, I recognize that, that comment is a stretch, but you know, like if all you care about is I just want to see what happens to Mary Marvel next, you're mm-hmm. gonna see what happens to Mary Marvel next. You may think it's garbage, but like it's yeah. all it's all about plot, right? And I feel like this when you look at this, they clearly sacrificed art and dialogue in favor of plot here. Yes. One hundred percent. I know I know you're not saying this. I know this isn't what you're saying, but uh even on those grounds, 52 is still so much better. Oh, 100%. Yes, of course. Like, of course the, it is. Yeah. The plot just, the plot turns in that one too. And it's, most of it is very good, <laughs> I think. Yeah. And we'll, we'll get into this, but one of the ways that Countdown is really lacking compared to 52 is its lack of structure. The, you know, the 52 week gimmick really kind of i think helped with the pacing of 52 um whereas the pacing in this book is a big issue um well you know uh, we'll get into yeah sorry is that well uh, yeah well i was just gonna say you know the first like five or six issues um have one conversation with mary marvel and black adam that probably takes place over like the span of maybe 20 minutes 
Um, so yeah, well, that, that's exactly some... what I was going to say. Sorry, Vince. I, let me just say this one quick thing. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. say like I, I just feel like the by having each issue be one week, it made everybody be very cognizant about getting everything in the most efficient possible way, the most efficient way mm-hmm. possible. You notice you you couldn't have a conversation drag on for too long because next week is literally a different week in this year. And, right, right. Yeah. So, yeah. Sorry, Vince, go ahead. No, that's all right. Um, what I was going to say is uh, there's so many red herring. Like, we read 26 issues for this, um, half of our discussion of this. And there's already so many red herrings in every storyline that that only exist to play for time. Like how many times we'll we'll get into this and more examples of this than just than just what I'm about to say. But um, how many times does Mary Marvel meet up with somebody to ask them about her problem? And then like, oh, it turns out they can't help her, but somebody else can. And then they like direct her to the next person down the line. Yep. That happens like three or four times. And it's literally just to kick the can down the road and, and buy a little time. Um, that gets even nuts. worse as the series continues. Too. Great. Uh, great. Uh, so if you I, haven't figured it out, this is my first time reading Countdown. <laughs> now, that's uh, until from now until the end of our um, crisis management series that we're doing. That's maybe only going to happen one or two more times where I, I hadn't read the event concurrently as it was being released. Um and I, I'm starting to realize why I skipped this one. <laughs> well, so I, I guess that's important to talk about. Zach, this is also your first time reading this, correct? Yeah, it is. Um... So uh, when I the, the lap after my last lapse in comic fandom, I was working a, a second job uh, on weekends and at night, and the job was right next to a, uh, a library, and this library had. To that point, the best comics collection that I'd ever, I'd ever seen in a library. And so I had been out of comics since 2002, I think, or thereabouts. So I just started picking up from the library things that I had missed in that time. And I, I had found some internet resource of like the most important stories in DC Comics from 2002, whatever. And so I, I would just go down the list, and anything that the library had in stock, I would get. And so I actually read this in like 2009 or 2010 whenever that whenever that was uh the first time and it it, it fucking sucked and i hated it <laughs> and um i've i've since reread it for for this and, and for something else and uh yeah so this is my like second and a half time reading this i i have like purposely avoided this for like a couple of reasons one when i was like first getting into comics I some again this is like going to be another I feel like this is going to be another thing we add to the DC3 drinking game. Um I I learned about Linkara and the <laughs> top of the fourth world and I I watched his review of Countdown. Um so I got the whole story from that. But like from from like every description of the comic like conceptually like the 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 story beats and like the idea of all the multiversal stuff the idea of like what the story was in my head was always so much better than I, when I knew it would be. And so I, I just never wanted to read it because then like I, I, there would be no more illusions. Like I could not imagine this story that conceptually sounds really cool, you know, leading up to final crisis, riffing on all these Kirby concepts, 
going to all the different worlds in the multiverse like it sounds like it would be just you know right up my alley you know just pure zach nip and but i knew it wouldn't be just from all i had heard about it so i just thought you know i, I will just never read this until now <laughs> how desmond hume of you to to leave a leave a great work on the table to be the last one you read zach yeah exactly <laughs> yes um Again, if we're continuing the DC three cast drinking game, I had to reference Lost there. So. Yeah, even I got that one. Oh, okay. Even you, the not lost boy. Yeah, the found boy, in fact. Oh, there we go. So, uh, should we should we start on the shit show? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Take us there, Vincey. All right. Well, I suppose we should start out by because I'm we're not going to go issue by issue. We decided that you know since this is. Uh, you know, objectively a worse comic than 52 and much less fun to talk about. We're not going to tackle it issue by issue. Um, we're going to kind of break it up into the different storylines and kind of tackle them one by one and just very briefly, very briefly do plot synopsis, but but talk more about our feelings about how each of those storylines went, at least through the first half of this that we've read so far. Um, but I think, you know, having said that, <clears throat> I'm, I'm not going to do issue by issue uh, creative teams then so i think just right up front should we just get the writers and the artists sure, out of yeah, the way yeah okay so <clears throat> the main writer on this was paul dini um and then like every issue paul dini would be joined by a, di- a rotating group of uh, like a co-writer and the co-writers were uh tony bedard adam beechin sean mckeever jimmy palmiotti and justin gray um and then the artists Kind of the quote-unquote main artist, I guess, was uh, Jesus Saiz, which even that, I don't know, like, can you call him the main artist? Because Not really. Think, not really, because I think he does, like, the first issue and maybe one or two after that. He does um, a few. Yeah. yeah not, but, not many. But, but, but going back to our earlier point about how, um, how this thing is structured – it's not like he comes in for the issues that are like really important, you know, he's just, he does the first issue for my money. His art is probably the best art yep. in this thing. Um, and then like, he'll just show back up, I guess when, when he had time to do it or, or I don't know what the rotation was, but you know, certainly there's no main artist that's given like the important bits or whatever of this. Um, so there's him, there's <laughs> because there aren't any, there really aren't. That's any. part of it too. Yes. <laughs> um, the other artists are Jim Calafiori, uh, Carlos Magno, David Lopez, um, Tom Derenick, Manuel Garcia, Dennis Calero, Keith Giffen, Mike Norton, and Al Barrio Nuevo. I believe Giffen, that's Giffen was doing breakdowns for this. Like, yeah, get 52. Right, but that only start that wasn't right away, right? Like I don't I don't I, know. I, I didn't I, notice it until a few issues in. Right. I started seeing his name pop up like like several issues into this thing. So I, I almost think he was brought in to uh, expedite some of this well, stuff. What was the what was the turnaround time between the end of fifty two and this? Not sure. Because he might have still been finishing up fifty two when this was started. That could be. Yeah. Well, I, well, I was gonna look that. I was gonna look that up, but I'm. I'm. I have the oral history up, and I'm kind of skimming that, and it talks about 
Paul Dini and Keith Giffen were part of the first story conference for Countdown. Mm-hmm. So he he seems to have been involved from the beginning, at least yeah. like behind the scenes. But I again, I don't know when he. Well, he was probably offering up all the um, problematic jokes and probably yeah, <laughs> which of which there are a lot. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay, so 50, 52 number one, according to Comicsology, came out May second, two thousand seven, and Countdown fifty one came out May ninth. That can't be right. Those that's two days apart. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't Maybe. Know. Huh? I don't know. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, should we get to the Should we get to the actual story of this bad boy? There's actual story. Yeah, there no, is. Zach, this started May uh, May twenty May two thousand seven. Yeah. Okay. No, I said May second. I thought I had said May seventh. Yeah. So it was the next week. Okay. Yeah. It, so it, I, it, it I'm, picked up the next week after fifty two. I'm gonna guess that Giffen was busy doing breakdowns of fifty two, and that's why he couldn't start right away on this. Yeah, that could be. Anyway, sorry, Vincey, go ahead. No, that's all right. Okay. Um, all right. So, uh, again, not going to go issue by issue, but I do want to start off with, like, the kind of the shot heard around the world for this uh, for this series, which is everybody's favorite, the Joker's daughter, uh, Duela Dent from Earth 3, uh, gets killed by a monitor in the first issue. And that kind of kicks everything off because the, the conceit of probably what I would call the main overarching narrative of countdown is that there's this group of monitors that we saw at the end of 52 and they are kind of observing everything that's going on with the new, um, 52 earth multiverse that, that lies before them. And they're discussing what to do about all the anomalies that are showing up and crossing from you or have crossed from universe to universe. So, this Joker's daughter from Earth-3, well, she's an anomaly, so she had to be eliminated. Uh, one monitor thinks, this monitor named Solomon. Um, there's another benevolent monitor named Bob, who is, which I believe, Monitor Bob, I have to think, is a Dan Didio reboot reference. Uh, absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that is why this is 52 done right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's a deep cut. Um but anyway, that's kind of the inciting uh, event of this thing. And then if we follow the the trail of the kind of the monitor story, um, Monitor Bob is talking about this great disaster that's happening at the source wall and that Ray Palmer is the only solution to this. And we don't know what that means yet, but he gathers this group of heroes. Um, the, the, these heroes that would be referred to as the challengers of the beyond. I'm not sure where that term, I found that term online to describe this team. I'm not sure where that I'm not comes sure if from. it ever happens in, in story or not. Yeah. I, I think, I feel like I read it. Maybe. I've heard that before. I don't think I just like incepted it from <laughs> media that I think, I think it is mentioned one time. Maybe I Could can't be. tell you where. I'm sure it's in some of the overwrought narration or something like that. But um, but anyway, this group, 
they're they're the group that's going to go out and look for Ray Palmer. They look for him in the nanoverse. Remember that was a long running deal with uh, Ray Palmer, where he was lost in the microverse or the nanoverse or whatever, whatever it was called. They call it the Palmerverse for a little while in this story, um, which is a little weird. Um, and that team of challengers of the beyond is made up of um, Jason Todd, Donna Troy, uh, Ryan Choi, Kyle Rayner, and then there's a couple others that along the way uh, join the group. Um, kind of they pick up as they go. Um, and yeah, they're they're on the search for Ray Palmer, and that's kind of their deal. So is there any... Oh, go ahead. What were what, you going to say, Brian? What I was going to say is that this this begins the confusion a bit here because they are all like one of the things that that's mentioned about them is that they are all like anomalies in their own right. Yeah. And yet the only reason that like, for instance, Kyle Rayner is an anomaly is because he was quote supposed to be from an earth that got destroyed. <laughs> and like that, I what? believe is, ex- is explained maybe in one panel or maybe even in a different book. Like, it's really not clear why he's an anomaly when you're reading this. Mm-hmm. Well, I thought, maybe I'm wrong, I thought all of these characters were ones that were mentioned in Infinite Crisis that were supposed to be on that, like, 90s Earth. Yes, I believe I believe you're correct. And that might be the last time that Kyle Rayner was referenced as, like, as being from that 90s Earth. Like, at, at least with, yeah. with Jason Todd also, like, he was dead and then came back. Troya is yeah, is, yeah, a, yeah. is a conceptual nightmare. She's like, all messed up. Yeah, you know, so sure, I, I feel yeah. like for every other character, even Ryan Choi, to a certain degree, you can understand like he's the replacement for a hero that isn't actually dead. Like, there's a lot of, I feel like there you can kind of squint and see why those characters are anomalies. But you have to remember mm-hmm. one panel from Infinite Crisis to know why Kyle Rayner is supposed to be there. Um, yeah, and I feel like that whole idea of anomalies is not all that well explained here. Yeah. Oh, it's definitely not. It's definitely just a a threadbare excuse to get this team together. Um, it's a fun team. Like, oh, I, yeah. I think oh, yeah. I, I like this group of, of characters together. Um, and I think, like, honestly, if you're talking about uh, a concept for what to build the backbone of... Um, countdown around i i think that's a solid concept i think this idea that the monitors are debating what to do about potential uh you know if their job is to monitor the multiverse for anomalies you know i the debate about what to do about it is is a solid one and i think this team you know going around trying to look for ray palmer is a solid concept i just think as with most things in this series uh it's so decompressed there's so many red herrings along the way uh at one point at one point they run up against um uh well a character called forerunner which is like in a in a (laughs) an assassin that works for the monitors um that has this whole like crazy Game of Thrones esque yes. backstory that is never touched on. No, one issue one issue explains Forerunner's entire backstory, and then you're supposed to it's supposed to be sympathetic. And then it's also why she um like get, gets cut off from working for the monitors and ends up working for Monarch. 
That's right, baby, from uh, Zero Hour, right? <laughs> Is that right? Is that the last time we saw Monarch? No. Um... No? Like in, in no, our, well... I mean in our, in our yes. uh, event series? Uh... I think because Monarch became extant. <laughs> yes. Monarch... It might not even be the same Monarch, though. Like, I... Well, That's it's how... not, I don't think, because <laughs> I'm pretty sure this is, like, getting ahead, but I think this, like, retcons it all again to make Captain Adam Monarch, right? Yes, the way was... it was supposed to be originally. Yes, from, um, what event was that? <laughs> from Armageddon. From Armageddon 2001, yes. Ah, uh, yes. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. When it got psyched out as Hank Hall, and then... <laughs> then then he became extant and oh my god zero hour uh, and just think no, but it's normies funny because were... he like takes oh go ahead i was gonna say normies were supposed to remember all of this <laughs> having sure, not read yeah. it you know every year like we just did but there's well, I mean, like a panel it, in this understand... early on oh go ahead sorry i was i was gonna say there's a panel in this early on where monarch takes his mask off but you couldn't you cannot tell who he is <laughs> it's like it's like his second appearance in this um yeah what, what were you gonna say vince i was just gonna say like if you understand any of that stuff that you just said about the the monarch extant fake out armageddon like i'm sorry i'm i'm just so sorry if you understand and remember what any of that means um yeah it's 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 just tragic <laughs> that we, in my brain that we carry this around um yeah. So anyway, um, skipping a little bit ahead in this storyline, the 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 big thing that kind of happens before the halfway point where we ended um, is that they start to encounter characters from other Earths, Earths that I think we hadn't seen yet to this point, um, or at least not interacted with very much to this point in the DC universe, right? Um, yeah. what were some of those, what were some yeah. of those earths? They, 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 they enter the red sun earth at one point, but they don't spend very much time there. Mm-hmm. Um, they enter the crimes, the crime syndicate earth, but now they're the crime society. Yes. For some reason. <laughs> and yeah. it, in, it includes my favorite character from these 26 issues. You know who I'm talking about? The jokester? The goddamn jokester. <laughs> so so this is interesting because I think it's the crime society because it is like all the classic crime syndicate members, but then there are some like JLA or JSA members in there too. Like there's an evil specter and an evil hawk woman and uh, some characters that we don't usually see with those. And honestly, this is the stuff that like, especially me like getting in DDC and like, in that stretch of time before Multiversity came out, not the website, the comic, um, this was like the only follow-up to like the 52 Earth thing. Like this is where this is where you went to get it. It was this, and it was like Jeff Johns's JSA run. You know, mm-hmm. like it just wasn't anywhere. And so people just got to eat. You know. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Is there anything in particular you guys want to talk about um, from the um, challengers? Um, that the Earth 15 where General Zod is Superman and everybody else is a legacy hero. Again, <laughs> that's such a cool idea in this bad book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One day we're, we're one day we're gonna write countdown done right. <laughs> <laughs> Who are some of those legacy characters? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. So Jason, uh, really, it's like all of the challengers um, yeah. are like Jason is Batman, Donna is Wonder Woman, uh, Kyle is the main Green Lantern. There is a, a female Adam that kind of um, is funny. She she reminded me a lot of the. Atomica. Atomica, yeah, yeah, from John's is JS, uh, JLA. Um, I think I think those are the only ones that we saw, right? Besides, mm-hmm. uh, besides General Zod, Superman. Yes, who who I'm gonna steal this from from Walt and to 99% of our listeners, it's not gonna make any sense, but he's uh, he's conservative columnist Ross Douthat. Um, if you don't know who that is, look him up and then look at this picture of Superman. <laughs> you, fuck you, you broke me. Oh. That's 100% a Walter Richardson joke. <laughs> we should mention uh, that Walt did a uh, our summer comics binge in the summer of 2019 on this series, and his 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 notes are amazing. Definitely yeah. well worth reading. Yeah. Um, of course, you can find that at multiversitycomics.com. <laughs> the only other thing I want to mention about this storyline, if you guys have nothing else to say, um, is that whatever Earths they're interacting with in the book uh, are actually on the cover of the issue. So, like, with issue 27, that's when they're uh, brawling with Earth 8, with the extremists. They actually put a little Earth eight emblem on the cover um which i think is a very cool idea to kind of include i like i i really feel it's it's not gonna happen because it's too good to happen but like when we come out the other side of uh death metal and uh future state wouldn't it be so cool if like if, if a writer wanted to do a story on a certain earth if they just labeled the comic that way and they were very clear about it and you know earth eight enthusiasts could collect this series you know like i just think that that's i think that's such a simple idea i think it's it's obvious you know i think it's it's almost too obvious for them to actually do it i I think that's the omniverse baby they they need to do it they need to do it they should have been doing that yeah since 52 happened yes yes absolutely yeah yeah. Okay. Um, so, anything else on that story thread? Uh, no, but I did just find out there is going to be a limited ten-inch vinyl reissue of uh, Dashboard Confessional Spider-Man Two song. <laughs> yes, that's, that's also finally the, vindicated. That's yes. in the finally. expanded universe of this podcast. Yes, as it well. is. <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh man! Even though it's a Marvel thing. Yeah. Um, Spider-Man 2 is about as DC as a Marvel movie can get, though. Wow. That's <laughs> that's a bold take. That's a take that would get your ass kicked on uh, DCEU Twitter or, or MCU Twitter or one of those two, I'm sure. 
I'm sure, sure the nerds would tear you apart for that. Sure. Um, okay. Uh, so another story that's running through this uh, is Mary Marvel. So she starts out the series um, currently powerless. And kind of the other members of the Marvel family are scattered about, whereabouts unknown for a lot of them. Um, and she kind of she kind of spends this whole series, well, to this point, wandering from magic user to magic user, trying to figure out how to get powers back or how to control the powers that she's given by Black Adam early in the series. So... Or just what to do with them, you know. There, she feels so early on in the first couple issues of Countdown, she encounters Black Adam. They have this extremely long conversation, as 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 was uh, detailed, I think, at the start of the show. Um, and then he ends up giving her his powers, and then she spends the rest of the time kind of slowly being corrupted by them and going from from place to place. Uh, trying to consult with magic users about what to do. Um, it's, it's extremely funny, though. It's been a minute since I've read this book, but the Black Adam miniseries that takes place between this and between 52 and this is all about him trying to get his powers back. Uh-huh. And then he gets them. <laughs> and gives them away. <laughs> and gives them away. So yeah, which, this, which this, like, I don't, is he doing it because he's a simp? Is this like when I send money to the e-girls on? <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. I don't do that. Sure. Um, no. So <laughs> this was, um, I believe, it's in the uh, the Trials of Shazam series, but it might be in one of those like. Um, it's not DC Universe number zero, but it's it's a a one shot like that that was setting up like the next year in DC, where Billy Batson is fighting some creature, and when he says Shazam, it basically depowers Mary Marvel and Freddy, and uh, Freddy goes uh, Mary kind of lands, you know, uh, in a way that doesn't fuck her up too badly, but but Freddy gets really messed up by this. And then eventually Freddy becomes the new Joker. No. He be- <laughs> he he takes the title of Shazam. The wizard Shazam is dead and Billy takes on the title of Marvel. Not Captain mm-hmm. Marvel, just Marvel. Yes. And uh, we will see some of that Billy later here. Um but yeah, this this Cap- this uh, Black Adam Mary Marvel interaction to me just seems like the absolute like it just it just totally undermines any character growth that we saw from Black Adam in 52. Mm-hmm. It just seems to totally write that off. And yes, there is a there is a year between the events of 52 and the events of Countdown. But for readers, as we just learned, it was a week later. So yeah. it, it, there there's real cognitive dissonance between between Black Adam just a few weeks ago in 52 and now Black Adam here. That is pretty wild to think about now that 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 Black Adam mini follow-up mini where we find out like even how he got his powers out back probably came out months and months after this first issue. You you <laughs> go from 52 where he has no powers to Countdown 51 where he, he 
not only has powers again, but he's holed up in a building just killing people. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. 52 done right. Yeah. Uh, one one thing that also occurred to me, and I could just be reading too far into this, but this is where this is where DC really starts to go all in on like everything needs to take place in and around or through Gotham, because for really no reason the Mary Marvel Black Adam conversation happens in Gotham City. Um, and so like you know the the longer this goes on, the more that we see that Gotham is just where everything in the DC universe happens. Um, whereas like earlier events in our series here, you know, Batman and Gotham, it was surprising to us how unimportant they were um, to these event books. So I, I thought that was kind of interesting. I, I feel yeah. like you just, you see Gotham popping up more and more than you did in prior events. Absolutely. This is also, um, in terms of the Mary Marvel story, it seems like every other appearance Mary has in this book is an upskirt shot. Oh, absolutely. And this is when they're really into sexing up Mary Marvel, which is funny because her sort of directly before this, she's like her whole joke is how virginal she is. And like she's she's this completely innocent character. And then I can just picture the deal being like, now, we know that Mary is, uh, you know, doesn't date boys, but what if she's a super slut? You know, just like, it just, it's, it gets really, it gets really gross really quick. Well, it it's also funny because I'm, you know, the Countdown writers, from what I've read, had basically all of Final Crisis number, the, the, the script of Final Crisis number one and a sketch of the, rest of the series to work from and my understanding is this whole mary marvel plot beat and her like inclusion in the series is just based on the fact that she like gets corrupted in final crisis um you know i think she gets i don't know if she gets possessed by she gets turned into like a new fury right yeah female fury yeah she has like the pink pigtails but it's actually nothing like this. And even like what happens in Final Crisis is not connected to this, which is like the refrain of Countdown. Um, <laughs> but it's just it's just like very funny that how much of this book is just kind of playing telephone with other books. Um, besides Final Crisis, you know, it, it's kind of playing telephone with Death of the New Gods, which we're going to talk about eventually. Um, it's just very funny to me. Well, it's funny because Morrison has basically said that he wanted nothing to do with this, that he was not going to basically take this seriously at all, and that both this and Death of the New Gods had nothing to do with Final Crisis, and he was going to do Final Crisis however he wanted to. But DC really wanted to make these things connected. And you can see how they wanted to do that, but they do a really bad job of it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think, um, Brian, your point about the, the upskirt shots, uh, for me, this series really cements in my mind. Like, if, if anyone still has any questions about, like... If comics are for kids anymore? <laughs> no. Uh, what what the difference is between, like, acceptable cheesecake or, like, 
acceptable perverted jokes or what I like I just think about how I I read a lot of manga uh from Shonen Jump and you know manga tends to have more of that stuff right and I think there are times where it's it's clearly over the line and it's clearly gross and then there's other times where it's kind of playful in a way and it's it's one of those things where like you know the whole like congressional pornography thing you know when you see it right um but i i think countdown is such a clear example where like you you see the you see like mary descend on a character and they're like looking right up her skirt and there's there is no joy in the art there's no wink in the art it's not like it's not even making a joke about like oh ha, ha, i better cover up you know which again, depending on how it's executed, can be acceptable or not, I think, in my mind. But in this, it's just so clinical and joyless. It's like there's no, there's no, there's not even a wink there if you're looking for it. It's just like we we are drawing Mary with a very short skirt. because and a that, long jacket. Yeah, <laughs> because that's what, that's, that's what we pervert artists want to see, you know? So, so my question to that is then what are your thoughts on the poison ivy secret origin uh what you're gonna that, have was, to... that was a joke did you not did you not read all the little secret origins at the end of the backups i did but i it's not coming to mind what you're talking about oh it was just very titillating oh okay oh. well yeah lots of lots of vines and stuff yeah but but it was very good <laughs> it was like uh who was the who was the artist on it it was someone who was actually very good a lot of the like secret origins had really really good artists um yeah much better than the (laughs) the main artists on this thing yeah um yeah i just think it's so joyless that it comes off more creepy it's you know it reminds me of the problems that we had with um the heroes in crisis cheesecake stuff where it felt just just by the tone of the series and the tone of the art, it made it feel clinical and joyless and miserable, you know. And I'm and I'm not I'm not saying that like automatically if you make uh, showing half naked superheroes um, light and fun that that automatically makes it good. <laughs> you know what you know what I mean? I, but well, I'm saying like yes. I'm saying like through this lens it clearly comes off as creepy instead of something else. Well, it, it reminds me a little bit of how Starfire was written in the early Red Hood and the Outlaws issues of the New 52, where mm-hmm. she was just, like, constantly in a bikini and being really... And just, like, every... every Everything was about sex. Yes, everything she said was about sex, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yes, definitely. Um... So anyway, Mary Marvel, she uh, meets up with Zatanna. Zatanna trains her a little bit. Um, meanwhile, she's feeling the darkness of Black Adam's powers creeping in. Uh, at one point, she butts up against um, uh, Clary and the Witch Boy in in what's possibly the biggest red herring of the series. It's like a two it's a two issue storyline with her and and Clarion, where basically like it amounts to nothing absolutely Um, nothing yeah and uh yeah i think let's see where do we leave mary is that is that pretty much oh eclipso that this is where like the gene loring 
Eclipso stuff uh, from the the post uh, identity crisis, infinite crisis era kind of dovetails back in. Um, AKA the worst possible version of Eclipso. <laughs> yeah, worst version of Eclipso, worst version of Gene Loring, I would imagine. Um, not that she was ever much of a character, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I think that's everything about any, anything else you guys want to say about the Mary Marvel stuff. I think we covered it pretty well. Uh, we get we get Shadow yeah, Pack I, back I, in I this. I I think that with this story and with a lot of the countdown stories, you can see like the you can almost kind of see the like pitch written down on paper behind the scenes and yes. how like written down it actually kind of sounds like it could be an interesting story like mm-hmm. you have mary marvel getting powers from black adam and going to all these different magic type people to kind of help her understand it but of course she gets drawn in by eclipse so it all kind of like logically makes sense within like especially like kind of the confines of dc at this point you know following up on the gene loring thing from uh infinite crisis um with her being eclipse so and following up on 52 it all just like and, and having zatanna and clarion from seven soldiers it all like in terms of brand synergy makes so much sense but it's just so it's not even clinical it's like i don't know it's just it's slapdash really it's, it's, yes yeah it is that's yeah it's slapdash yeah it's like every every encounter that mary it's exactly what you say zach every encounter that mary marvel goes through you understand the potential point of why she's doing what she's doing and then it at every turn it amounts to nothing and i know that they have to they have to do it that way to get to fit this into to stretch this into 52 issues but then they should have they should have come up with a different more robust storyline or maybe showed her less often because you don't need what you don't need in almost every issue is a little bit with Mary Marvel just to remind the reader that she's there and then have it amount to nothing, which I feel like right. a lot of this is agreed. Well, let's, let's, let's take a quick, quick break and when we come back. We'll round up the other stories from the first half of countdown. See Hello, we're the hosts of the Multiversity Manga Club podcast. I'm Emily. I'm Zach. And I'm Walter. Each month, we pick a manga to read and discuss among ourselves. Past books include Monster, A Silent Voice, and Pokemon Adventures. We also look back on the past month's installments of Weekly Shonen Jump, discussing the highs and lows from the Viz Anthology. We've even discussed notable manga adaptations like Netflix's Death Note. At the end of each episode, we announce next month's book club pick so you can read along with us. We're always open to suggestions for future books as well. So join us on the first Friday of every month on multiversitycomics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. All right, so then another story we've got is kind of the uh, Legion of Superheroes uh, adjacent storyline where um, Karate Kid is kind of the main member of Focus. Um, I believe he he begins the series... Uh, in captivity with the heroes and they're kind of poking and prodding him wondering why he's there 
Um, Batman spars with him at one point. And he takes his um, utility belt. <laughs> yes, yeah. Don't you don't tug on Batman's belt, right? That's from that's this, from the song. This is that this is direct out of Lightning Saga stuff. So you know this is This is your Gabagool? This is my Gabagool. Well speak on it. I don't really think I it's so I'm a little <laughs> fuzzy. I so I know Karate Kid is like this is like the beginning of like the classic Legion showing up the the like pre crisis legion basically essentially this is like the beginnings of them showing up in the dcu and kind of setting up all the stuff that johns would do and i don't actually even remember the thing with there's this whole thing about karate kid he thinks he's this he gets brainwashed into being thinking he's this villain trident and i don't know where that first started i don't know if that was in justice league or if it was in something else um but this is all like tying into that stuff and honestly I think actually, like in terms of how it's written, and like conceptually, this is my favorite thread of the book. Um, not that that's saying much, but continue. Well, I, I, th- I would. Just I think say, that's. I think that's easily the case for me. Oh, I, really, I could, I could not be further from that. <laughs> really? Yeah, I do not care about this at all. Okay, but it's not. I I can think of things about the other stories that are like actively bad or annoying and i feel like this you're right it's a little boring like you find out that you find out that uh, so dream girl has a vision of a legionnaire dying and they're trying to figure out who it is and why that is and, and that they're dying in the modern timeline so they, they think that it can only be one of the uh, people who are currently in the modern timeline and it ends up being karate kid is dying of some Vi- techno-organic virus that has something to do with the OMAC project. And um, and I think, yeah, that's a little boring. Like, a virus a virus is pretty much as rote uh, a conflict as you can come up with for a sci-fi fantasy comic, I think. Um, but the story is inoffensive, and it features characters that I like seeing in the... Sp- like, I like seeing Karate Kid in the spotlight. Um, I like his interaction with Batman. Um, I think some of it's a little silly, but, you know, far less so than some of the stuff that we're about to talk about in some of these other stories and definitely less, um, offensive to my sensibilities than something like the Mary Marvel stuff. Well, see, what I'll say is, you know, I, I am not the Legion boy of the podcast. We all know that Zach, but, um, I just feel like the other stories in some ways are so ridiculous that you can't help but <laughs> laugh at them and, and, and enjoy them as camp, whereas this is just so fucking boring. I have I have no interest. When it, when it, whenever I turn a page and it's Karate Kid time, it's like, oh, here comes here comes the most boring shit I'm going to read today. Okay. Oh. Yeah. Aww. Okay. I actually. Uh, there's one other um, thread that I think is maybe comparable to this one if it didn't have so many um bad gay jokes in it um we'll get to that in a second i'm sure we'll get to that one um that's the one that i could not care less about but oh interesting okay um yeah i just i i like this one one because of the legion angle two because of the omac uh again 
there's just so much there's so much Kirby in the DNA of this series, which is it's just such a shame that it sucks because it's it's really like an ode to Kirby. Um, um so yeah. Yeah. Um Yeah, so so yeah, basically this ends with them figuring out that that Karate Kid has this kind of OMAC virus and so they have to uh, make their way to somebody who knows something about Brother Eye and OMAC, which again leads to leads to a couple red herrings along the way. <laughs> like they they show up at this at this one place and uh, hey, this guy's supposed to know something about OMAC. It's this like Elias or something like that. And then and then and then he's like, well, actually, I can't help you. You got to find Buddy Blank. I mean, that is what Countdown is all about. Countdown is all about the heroes being told to go talk to... Some, it's it's an RPG fetch quest thing. Um, the heroes need to go talk to somebody who won't be able to help them, but they but this person can tell them the next person they're supposed to talk to. <laughs> you know? That's, that's yes. basically what this is. Um, so, you know, Brian, you're right. It is boring. I, I'll give you that. Um but I stand I stand by the fact that I, I like seeing Karate Kid get some of the spotlight. I feel like he's an under underutilized legionnaire. Um all right, anything else about the Legion stuff? No? No. Okay. Um all right, another story is uh that of young uh, Jimmy Olsen. Becoming becoming Mr. Action. Horned up fuck machine Jimmy Olsen. <laughs> yep, yep. Very very horny, very powerful, very strange aura. Um he begins the series by investigating this. Um so he he watches the Joker's daughter die. Um and goes down the trail of investigating, you know, the the circumstances of her death. Um going so far as to question the Joker in, in kind of a fun scene in the second issue uh, about his not daughter's death. Um, but what ends up happening is uh, Jimmy Olsen develops superpowers somehow, and he finds that he can stretch like the elongated man. Um, what are, what are some of the other things he can do? Um, he can, um, he can make spikes come out of himself. He yep. can turn into goo. He can. He basically has um, like has like self defense powers. Yeah, they really? only they only trigger when he's under stress of some type. Um, and in fact, at certain points, he he like makes himself get stressed out or beaten up so that his powers will activate. Um, which I feel is like this is like Jimmy Olsen's uh, Shonen Adventure or something. He's he's uh, he's. He's 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 Luffy, isn't he, Zach? <laughs> no. He's Luffy no. the monkey. No? No? Okay, maybe not. Um he also dr- has a dream that he is merged with the source wall, which um kind of sends him down a path of um talking to a former colleague of Darkseid's. I Sleaze, is that his name? Oh, uh, you know. It yeah, is. isn't he the? 
he, yeah, he's the one who did the. Isn't he the one who did the the Superman big bar to porno? <laughs> yes, yes, that's right. That's absolutely right. Yep, yep. Um, yeah. So this is basically just G- Jimmy trying to figure out why he's got these powers. At one point, he tries to join the JLA. Um, they put him through some tests. Uh. He goes to cat again. He again. He's going from place to place to try to understand his powers. It's very much like Mary, the Mary Marvel thing. He ends up at Cadmus. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's about it. We don't. We don't really get any revelations about that before the end of this. Did did we? No. No. Um, so that's yet to be resolved. Um, I should mention that. Although like they he doesn't really have a dedicated storyline of his own. Darkseid Darkseid's presence is definitely felt throughout this thing. You have a former you have Sleaze uh, butting up against Jimmy Olsen. You have a group of fighters on Darkseid's behalf end up fighting Zatanna and Mary Marvel. Uh, I forget their name. They have a name for that team. Um Oh, what is it? What's I have my notes here somewhere. I'm trying to. You know. You know what I'm talking about. Wait. What? There's a there's a team of dark side agents that like Zatanna and Mary Marvel end up fighting in this. Oh no! I don't know what are they called? I don't remember so their name either. That's that's the Sea Devils, right? Is that, is that what they're called? There's like that one. Okay, so there's this running thread of new gods being killed Mm -hmm. and and deep six deep six that's not that's it yeah 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 what's the worst pun you can think of okay let's call it that but i think that's again like a i think that's a kirby thing oh yeah yeah there's there is so much kirby dna in here and and since you brought it up it's a good uh good time to talk about dark side uh kind of running through this thing um yeah yeah deep six the new god yeah the new gods at one point um light ray uh dies and crashes into metropolis i think um and so they're yeah, trying to figure out why that being killed and yeah characters are being killed in other books too outside of countdown okay see i don't yeah i, I don't have any context for that so um, um, well, I know that they, they mentioned Big Barda dies, which I can't remember if that was in Birds of Prey or in Death of the New Gods. Because I know she she was in Birds of Prey sometime at that point, and I know that was tying into stuff. It's insane how many books were tying into Countdown also. Um, like, I'm, I'm kind of just been flipping through as we go here, and, like, the Ryan Choi Adams series was tying in, Supergirl was tying in, um, Action Comics was tying in. Like, every, every once in a while, a series would just have a countdown tie-in. Mm. It's much bigger than just the weekly series. Um, I also want to say that this series does what 52 did that I hated, which was that it spoils everything on the covers. Like, the death of Light Ray is on the cover of the issue Light Ray dies in. Yeah. <laughs> Hate it. Hate everything about it. <laughs> um, 
All right. Well, if there's nothing more about J- anything else about Jimmy Olsen or Darkseid or any of that that you want to talk about. I-, I find it funny that this is essentially the world's worst version of the Matt Fraction series we just got about Jimmy Olsen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just like a funhouse mirror version of that series. <laughs> you, know, you, you know what I'm realizing really as we talk about this? What's that? Um, Steve Orlando's JLA series posts in rebirth was basically him doing countdown but countdown done right countdown done right because because it has a search for ray palmer and also the return of lord havoc oh yeah yeah wow that's right uh good pull just man i i maybe need to revisit that series yeah, it I was think, probably it was probably better than I thought. Oh, it was good. It was very good. What was the name of that? Like, was it the the? It wasn't the Science League. Like the uh, the the team that like spun out of that that never went anywhere. Yes, yeah, that's a uh, man. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you're talking about. Damn it. Yeah, we we wanted a book so bad. Yeah, we did. Um. um here i'm pulling it up it's the justice foundation this is foundation, justice foundation. Okay. yes yes man that was a good team yes, it was. <laughs> oh better times uh, we're gonna write that book too <laughs> when we're the editors at dc we're gonna hire steve to come back and yes we are do that if he wants to okay let's talk about this damn rogues flash rogues plot line okay so, th- for me, this is the worst one of the bunch. And it, it uh, some of it is, like, the very dated uh, homophobia, um, obviously. But I just think that they're, they're unlikable characters in general. Um, like, I don't... F- they, they've, bro- they've broken off from these rogues. And I, I think... I think they're trying to endear us to Pied Piper and Trickster. And to me, it just doesn't work at all. I don't like these guys and I don't like reading them or watching them. Um, I think they're annoying as hell. I think this is the edgelordiest part. Like, I think they try really hard to be edgy in this. Go go off, Zach. You wanted to say something? Well, no, no. Well, I was just going to say, maybe I I realize I'm, I hadn't really thought about this, but I think I'm coming into this with a little bit of baggage or expectation because I had, I think I had previously been told that this is like the only thread that ends in any kind of like satisfying or meaningful way. And so maybe I'm kind of putting more expectation onto it. Um, Cause yeah, when I think about it, it's actually a whole lot of nothing. Um, I, I definitely agree with you that they're trying to endear us to them. Um, they're trying to make them kind of likable. Um, when you and I see why kind of... they're trying to do that, you're just going to be mad at yourself. Okay. <laughs> well, maybe I won't because uh, it's not working on me. No, you're going to be mad at yourself for even considering this to be anything decent. <laughs> okay. This, okay. Takes a, this takes a real weird turn. I'll just put it that way. Oh, okay. boy. Okay. Okay. Well, um... all right. <laughs> So he, here, here's my beef with this with this story, uh, which I think you'll both agree with, which is that of all of the 
pardon the pun, rogues galleries in comics. The rogues, Flash's rogues are the ones that are the least about things like world domination and the most about just like, we're just crooks trying to get by. And there, there's this like weird mutual respect between them and the Flash, specifically the Wally West Flash, where you get the sense that like everybody understands their role in this relationship and nobody begrudges anybody else like having to do the things that they do to get by to a certain degree. And obviously that's simplifying it a lot, but like there, there's that great Justice League Unlimited episode, the Flash Appreciation Day episode, and mm-hmm. I feel like that is the best distillation of ten years of Rogues comics, where you just see like you just see the characters for sort of who they are, and they're not they're not edgy bad guys. And this series, like the fir- the the only goof that works in this entire series is Mirror Master coming from a mirror that cocaine is on. Like that is that legitimately made me laugh. I love that. That's that's great dumb comic booking. But just like the fact that that's happening in a rogue story seems to me so antithetical to what the rogues have historically been and sort of how they work best that it just it makes it makes no sense to me. That's like a, that's like a Mark Miller uh moment. Yeah. I feel that's like something Mark Miller would do in a in a a rogues comic. Um, yeah, that's well said, Brian. I, th- I think that's really well said. Um, so the Bart Allen uh, is killed, not in this series, but in some what's in his own series or in the Flash or, or yeah, when, whatever the Flash yeah. comic was at the time. Yeah. And basically, Pied Piper and Trickster are worried that they are going to be blamed for Bart's death, even though they had nothing to do with it. And so they're trying to they're trying to get away, distance themselves from the rest of the rogues. And what happens is they basically end up bumping into a bunch of different villains uh, throughout the DCU. They 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 try to take shelter at the uh, Iceberg Lounge. Penguin doesn't really want anything to do with them. He actually ends up hiring the Suicide Squad to go against them. <laughs> um, let's see. They end up they end up uh, in Poison Ivy's turf again. Like again, Countdown is just about these characters bumping into another character after another and not really accomplishing anything. Um, let's see. At one at one point they go up against the Flash and a mummy, uh, which is kind of kind of funny. This thread ties into a bunch of stuff. It ties into Bart dying, Salvation Run, the uh, Green Arrow Black Canary wedding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is yep. this is the one that's like the tour of the DCU. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Um, yeah, the so the the Green Arrow Black Canary wedding. They they actually end up at Black Canary's bachelorette party, which is like the that's like the one place I was expecting this book to be perverted, and then it really wasn't. <laughs> like when I saw the cover of that issue, I was like, "Oh God, this is going to be so problematic," and then it really wasn't. <laughs> um. 
but then yeah, then the last thing I want to talk about regarding these two is uh, is the the salvation stuff you mentioned, um, Zach. Big. Well, at least I, I don't know where it goes from here. But the way that at one point uh, they run into Two Face, and Two Face reveals that supervillains are being imprisoned off world uh, at a place called Salvation, and that reminded me of uh, Kingdom Come. Oh, I don't know. Okay. I, I don't know if there's a better comparison than that, but it reminded me of the the planet where they're storing. You know, the one that looks like the, I believe it looks like the Legion of Doom headquarters. The where there's, Yeah, the Gulag. Yes, thank you. Thank you. It reminded me of that. I don't know if that's what they were going for or, you know, it was one of the last issues we read. So I, it very well could turn out to not be anything like that, but. Well, you know, that's not in this book at all, right? No, I don't. I have no idea where this goes. <laughs> So there was a mini series that was coming out at the same time called Salvation Run, okay. and it was a seven issue mini, and that's that's what this is. I assume okay, it's not so... in the rest of the book, Ryan. I, I assume it goes into Salvation Run. I, is that I right? Believe, I believe you're correct. Yes. Okay. Again, so much of this blurs because it all sucks. <laughs> yeah. So what's Salvation Run about then? Did you read that? It, I've not read it. No. It's it's about all of the villains being on this planet. Um, and having to escape, I guess. I okay. think it like kind of ties into Secret Six stuff. Maybe I've never read it. I just know it exists. Okay. I feel like it was, and maybe this is just my conflating two things that were happening around the same time. But I feel like this was often referenced in. Remember, there was supposed to be that Green Arrow Supermax movie. Yeah. Yes. I, I believe that this like feels a little <laughs> bit like that Green Arrow Supermax script. Well, listen to this. Salvation Run, the premise of the series, which is based on a pitch by George R. R. Martin. <laughs> wow. George Railroad Martin himself? Himself, the one. Um is a majority of DC supervillains. Um are captured by the Suicide Squad and put on a different on a distant planet. It was written by Bill Willingham. Um, he started it, uh, and Matthew Sturgis took over to finish it um, because apparently Willingham had some illness. Um, and yeah, it was supposed to be a tie-in leading into Final Crisis. Of course, it did not really. I don't think. Uh, yeah. Oh, to be a fly on the wall in that pitch meeting. Okay, maybe it actually did because the aftermath, it follows up in Justice League 21, which is about, that's the stuff that like leads into Final Crisis with Libra and the human flame and all of that stuff. Maybe I need to read this. <laughs> You read that and get back to us. Okay. Okay. Oh. Yeah, the rogue stuff is is not very good, and I I don't even know if we've if we've mentioned directly the homophobia from this, but um. Well, I, understanding that they are supposed to be portrayed as villains, I still don't think they should be using uh, some of the outright like insults and slurs that they use in this thing. 
yeah. uh, slurs slurs is maybe strong, but they but there there are definitely terms for um, a gay person that you should not be using in <laughs> polite company. Uh, or anywhere. About. Or, or anywhere. Well, yeah, you know what I mean. You yeah. know what I mean. Like like. When you're wearing uh, your robe and your hood, I get it. It's different. <laughs> no, no, no. When you're when you're uh, not a villain in a comic book is I, what I, I'm trying know, to say. But I know, like, I know. yeah. But even then, they're not not good to read them. <laughs> no. I don't like it. It's not good. Um, Especially because it doesn't really. It's not really done to inform a character or to. It's you basically know, yeah, just so that you remember that Pied, Pied Piper. I was gonna say it's basically just it's so that every couple of pages you're reminded that Pied Piper is gay. Yeah, yeah, in a in a negative context, and 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 really treated like a joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just wait for this this story, by the way. Oh boy. <laughs> I can only imagine. Just wait. Uh, so, do we have one more story to talk about? Uh, yeah. The the are you talking about the Holly Robinson and the yes. Harley yeah. thing? Yes. So, yes. Um, this one to me, at least in these twenty six issues, felt like the most disconnected from everything else. Um. Basically, uh, Holly Robinson, Catwoman sidekick character, um, and Harley Quinn end up at an Athenian women's group, kind of like a women's shelter um, that has some sort of tie-in to the Amazon's attack stuff, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, which I don't, I've never read that. No, we, we did get a comment on Twitter that we should have read that because apparently that's what DC thought was going to be the big event instead of Sinestro Core War. Ah. The, the DC had banked on Amazon's attack being the bigger event, but... Wow. Yeah, Am- Amazon's attack is another series I've consumed through atop the fourth world, so... <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Fourth, well, it's fourth wall, not fourth world. I will remind that, you. That I have no sense. idea what you're talking about. Linkara, man. Linkara. I, I don't know. I don't know who or what that is. And frankly, <laughs> I don't care too. He's got, he's got a magic gun. Where did he purchase that? Brian is the Lucille Bluth of our podcast for sure. I don't care for Vince. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So the Amazon's attack, Washington D.C. Um, Holly and Harley end up in this kind of like. So it's 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 a Athenian women's center and it kind of looks like a Greek temple or a Greek bathhouse I guess. And at first it's just oh it's just a place for them to relax and they like meet up and kind of become friendly with one another. And then soon enough they are in gladiatorial combat. Uh in in some kind of initiation ceremony into the Amazon, into 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 the Amazonian people, they're they're basically being recruited by the Amazons, right? Yes. Yeah. Um. And I don't know what what else happens with that. Can you guys think of anything I haven't said? 
Not really. Almost yeah. nothing happens. It, it's not necessarily like a bad story. It's actually a really interesting concept, I think. Um, it just we we haven't gotten enough of it yet. Yeah, and uh, one, we really haven't, cause cause where we where we're left, like Holly and Harley are just being taken to Themyscira on a boat, I believe. And they're attacked by a sea monster. And that takes like three or four issues to get over. And that's again, just clearly Pat, like decompressing for time. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, yeah, just doesn't touch on many of the other stories at this point. And not, not much even happens within the story itself. Um, You're right. I think it is one of the, I think it is one of the better storylines in this thing. And definitely less. This was another one where I was expecting like, oh, God, this is going to be full of like cringy moments of like dudes trying to write what would happen at an Athenian women's center. <laughs> and it really it really didn't it really didn't turn out that way. You know, like I, I definitely other parts of this thing were much, much worse than this. Oh, yeah. Um. So, yeah, Yeah, I would say the biggest takeaway from this is just from this conversation, rather, is I guess hearing Zach praise this as 52 done right has helped (laughs) me to just recognize like how many things from this are from recent DC history. Like just having this storyline follow up kind of from Amazon's attack is is interesting. Right. And um, I think that I maybe would be less harsh on this book if I felt like any of the promise of like being Zach called the backbone book to the DC universe like if it was actually telling important stories and doing so in ways that connected more than just acting as a bridge I think this very much feels like a bridge between what DC's like 2007 or whatever because when you when you do start listing things, you know, it does connect to the Lightning Saga. It does connect to Amazon's attack. It does connect to a certain amount, 252. Like, we're looking at these different things it's connecting to. I think that that's interesting. But nothing happens in this book that really builds on those stories at all. This is like, this is like a weekly tie-in book. Yes. Like, and oh, I that's mean, a, like that's a, a good call, yes. Yeah. Like it, it is a it is a weekly tie-in to the DC universe, mm. to to the event that is DC Comics. That's grim because it doesn't it doesn't get me interested in basically anything outside of this comic. Just like just like a good tie-in should. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's wild that the event book is the tie-in. That's that's crazy. That's what this is, and I, and yeah, and I, yeah, it's like lowest common denominator comics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that really doesn't work very well for me. It's yeah, <laughs> well, it shouldn't. Um, but I can see why it would work well for Dan DiDio. Yeah. This is one of the myriad reasons we need Dan on the podcast. We do. He would set us straight. 
Dan, we know you're listening. Get in touch. I I still stand by these these 25 issues that we read aren't as bad as Earth Two Worlds End. I don't remember that well enough to say that. Neither do I, but I'll tell you that. Uh, so one thing we we should talk about here is that these 25 issues have a wide range of shitty art from like, oh, that art's not entirely shitty to, oh, that art is incredibly shitty. To and, that, that issue with Mary Marvel grabbing that. <laughs> yes. The ultimate nut shit. face. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Talk about the nut faces in this band. Uh, th- there are nut faces galore. You can have an entire Twitter account. <laughs> One nut face a day. You go for more than a year with just the... <laughs> just the uh, count on enough faces and, and if i had more time on my hands maybe i would do that but what i was going to say is that even by the standards of the first half the second half has the worst art in any major comic i've ever read oh that's crazy that's that's really nutty yeah the second half is where everything falls apart like it's it, i don't want to tease too much here or give away too much ahead of time but like there's at least one story that wraps up an issue like 12 or 13 where you're like, oh, okay, that's over now, only to restart like four issues later. Like just basically just retcon itself within the within the span of like five issues mm-hmm. for no real reason. Yikes. It's grim. Can't wait to talk to, talk to you guys about it. <laughs> um. But yeah, is, is there anything else you guys want to talk about in terms of like what stands out from this or moments you liked or moments that were particularly bad? No, I I will say like I think something that has that helped when reading this is it is immensely slight. Like there there are there, it's a breezy read. Oh uh, yeah, I, you I, could just I, I read I read the whole thing this weekend. Yeah, and it was it was nothing. I, I read it in like three sittings, and yeah. it was pretty easy. It's the, the exact opposite of Final Crisis, which you yeah. have to give yourself like two readings per issue, maybe more, just to fully yeah. grasp everything. Oh, well, yeah, and even even like compared to Fifty Two, which like those issues were still pretty dense, even though they were coming out on a weekly basis, you know. Yeah. Um. Whereas, whereas this, there's just you know a lot of splash pages, a lot of four panel pages that maybe have like two or three lines of dialogue. It's just very, very breezy. Several segments that felt like they were just repeating information from a prior issue. Yeah. Um, which you could just kind of like pay a little less attention to. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I would ever actually do that for the integrity of this show. Of course not. Um, no, the one, is, no one is doubting your integrity, Vince. <laughs> The one note that I have here that's that's a little funny that I didn't get to in the natural course of our discussion is um, that the first time that Donna Troy goes up against this Forerunner character, she pulls out like an AR on her and just starts like unloading bullets into Forerunner, uh, which does correct me if I'm wrong that that didn't really seem like something Donna would do. No. <laughs> God, I don't think she's, she doesn't strike me as like a big gun nut. 
but it seemed it seemed like it was very much like look at how extreme we are. <laughs> yeah, this is such a mess. Yeah. Even even if parts of it like I, I don't think Zach's wrong that the first twenty five issues or so of this are not terrible. I think that there's so much of it that just feels unnecessary or is puzzling as to why it exists that you, you just come out of it feeling like numb after reading it. Just why did I just read that? What did I just read? Yeah, I, I think my take on it and coming and maybe it's just because I came in expecting to just hate it. I just found it mostly pretty inoffensive. Um, you know, it's just it's hardly the worst comic I've ever read. I've read a lot of bad comics. Um, and at least so far, it's just it's just not as bad as I expected. I'm sure the last half from everything I've heard is just is much worse and will probably uh, it'll probably earn its reputation for me. But it, it just it just wasn't as bad as I had kind of been led to as, as led to expect, especially compared to some of the other there's stuff in the new 52 that's worse than this. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I probably wouldn't disagree with that. Though I'll say that part of what makes this so bad is, and maybe this isn't fair, maybe it's not fair to judge the work this way, but the fact that almost nothing from this book ever gets picked up anywhere else makes it feel like even more of a shitty island you're on. Like, I think that there are some books that are not great, but but add a lot to the mythology of a character or put the character through something that will affect them in the future. And I just feel like there's nothing in this that has any connection anywhere other than right here. Sure. It is kind of uh, interesting to me. Is this kind of like the beginning of the rehabilitation of Harley, or has that already been going on before this? That's an excellent question. It's also interesting because Jimmy Palmiotti is part of this book. Mm, yeah, good point. I know. I know that like Paul Dini was doing the Gotham City Sirens book around this point. Yeah. Which I, which again, he's you know writing this book. Um. Actually, I think that would have come out after this ended, and I know he did stuff with Harley too. So I, I, I really kind of wonder if this is maybe the beginning of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's it, that is one of the few stories that I guess I'm interested in seeing play out, but who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Indeed. Well, thank you for listening, everybody. We appreciate your listening to us. Next week, we'll be back with our uh, This Month in Death Metal roundup. And uh, that's going to be a fun show. It's going to be a lot to talk about mm-hmm. with, with that with those issues. Uh, and then we'll return in two weeks with our final countdown episode. Uh, Zach, you're leading that one, right? Unfortunately, that's what I hear. <laughs> well... I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I, I I was gonna say I didn't make the schedule, but I did. But it just it just fell that way. It just fell that way. Yeah. Uh, if you need to get in touch with two thirds of us, we're on Twitter. I am at Brian needs a nap, and I am at Wilker Fox. If you need to find Vince, he is uh, taking the idea that I laid out before and 
on his farmers only account posting one nut face from countdown a day <laughs> you should be able to set up a, a joker's trick style algorithm that just pulls a random panel from countdown and you know better than 50 50 shot that you're gonna get a nut face i i, I could probably no i'm not even gonna, I'm not even gonna <laughs> think about this for one second because then i will i will opt to do this instead of like sleep or play with my kids so let's not yeah um, countdown's trick countdown's trick uh, somebody got really mad at the shazam's trick bot i made by the way last <laughs> week is that still going it is still going yes every day oh, i get man. dozens of notifications of people liking <laughs> my holy moly tweets <laughs> but somebody was like what the fuck that's it was it was talking about drill talked about some fictional for those who don't know i created a bot that whenever drill tweets it replies holy moly to that <laughs> Uh, we'll a picture of the infected Shazam as the uh, <laughs> as the avatar. And um, he had tweeted about some character that has a catchphrase. I'm just going to say it's Bart Simpson. No, it's not Bart Simpson. But, like, you know, it's like, why can Bart Simpson say, don't have a cow, man, and I can't, whatever. And I replied, holy moly. And Tim was like, what the fuck? He's not talking about Shazam. He's talking about this other character. Like, just, like, very mad that I had, or whatever it was. It, it just it, it made the whole experiment worth it. <laughs> Let's see how many. Let's see how many times Shazam's trick has tweeted. Oh God, Brian, you are le epic troll. I, I I have seventeen followers. <laughs> um, and let's see how many. Where where does it say how many tweets you have? You're in a Twitter profile. I don't know. It's a lot. It, it because every every single time drill tweets this tweets so yeah. yeah. I forgot about this. The fucking banner image is I took the Jack Nicholson picture and just in, put a lightning bolt over half his face <laughs> like Aladdin Sane or something. Uh, a wint insane. Yeah, exactly. The, the bio it's... says, holy moly, this sucks. <laughs> yep. It's anyway, good. It's so, yeah, I'm not going to create a Countdown Nutface Twitter bot yet. <laughs> yet. We'll see what happens in the future. If we really get locked down again, I may have to do that. So, <laughs> anyway, thank you for listening. We'll be back next time with Death Note 5. Buddy. It like clears up a thing that's like really been bothering me. What's in that? The series. I'm not gonna tell you. Just fucking tell me. No, God. watch the show. But I, I, I just think, tell me, Zach. Is it the difference between how he carries himself? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Just tell me. No. Tell me right now. No. Tell, tell okay. me right now. Okay. So Kyrie wakes up in the final world and. <laughs> 